Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 170 of the podcast that was originally recorded on July 16th of 2017. Some of the games I played this past week, a little card game called Capital Lux, which I had a really good time with. Played a little Take That game called Hansa Teutonica, which we had a good time with, but if you don't like Take That, you may want to skip this one, I hate to say. Also, my wife and I played through a game of Orleans Trade and Intrigue. We used the Intrigue board with some more Take That for the week. So hey, take that and enjoy the episode. Hey gamers, welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. As always, you can send us some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We do have a guild over there, guild number 2440. What I'm playing now is our name there. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at What I'm Playing Now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say. On Facebook, just do a search for What I'm Playing Now. Our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash What I'm Playing Now. Let's jump into a little studio update. So my wife and I have been trying to do some recordings of some different board games. We actually uploaded the first uh, recording of uh, unboxing for the game Flip Ships from Renegade Game Studios to YouTube yesterday, and I threw it up on Board Game Geek. There was a small mistake I had made during my explanation of one of the rules, which I corrected in the closed captions, and I had re- thought that I had made the mistake when I did the recording, but... When I was doing the editing, I had forgotten about it and did not catch it, so we caught that post in closed captioning. We will try to fix it there. We also tried to record a playthrough for Flip Ships, and one of our mics went out, so we're going to have to try to re-record that one because the audio was just unusable halfway through. One of the mics just completely cut out. But we did get a game playthrough of Orleans Trade and Intrigue, which I will be talking about under the What I'm Playing Now part of the show. So let's jump into that. So I went down to my local game store this past week. One of the first games that I played was a little nice card game called Capital Lux. I would say this is a little filler game. It didn't take us that long to play. Very easy to learn. On this game, what you're going to be trying to do is gain victory points to do the winning. You're going to start off the game being dealt five cards. We were doing a four-player game. From there, each player is going to try to choose or have to choose two of those five cards that they're going to want to keep and then pass the other cards around the table clockwise and do a drafting. Once everybody has five cards in their hands, you are going to be able to start playing the game. On your turn, what you're going to do with the cards that you have in your hand, you're going to play one of those cards into your hometown, which is going to be a tableau of cards you could build in front of you, which will be used to score against The capital, which is in the center of the table, which everybody is going to be adding cards to to increase the numbers of the various color of cards sets that are in the center of the table. So if I place a card into the capital, there are going to be four different colors, green, yellow, blue, and purple, or pink, I guess we could say. And if I place a card in one of those piles, I'm going to be adding to the score of that pile. And I am also going to get to take an action. If you choose the uh, green cards, which are the scholars, you're going to get to draw the top profession card from the deck and take it into your hand. If you choose the yellow merchant, 
card pile to place on, you're going to take one of the gold discs, which looks more like a slab of butter we were joking around from the pile, and you can place it into your play area. Those gold discs can be used at the end of the game for victory points, or you can actually use those cards later in the game when you're comparing cards from your capital to the hometown to actually adjust the score up or down, which we'll go over here shortly. If you place a card in the Agent Blue pile, you can draw the top card from the modifier deck. You can look at it, and then without revealing it to anybody, you're going to place it face down on top of one of the colored decks there, and you're going to allow that deck to be adjusted either negatively or positively with the card you just placed there, which nobody is going to know about but you. So you're going to have a little bit of hidden information there to know what the end score of that stack of cards may be as opposed to everybody else. So you're going to know how many points you're going to want to have in your capital to go against that deck if you're going for that particular color. If you play a cleric pink card into the capital, you're going to take the lowest valued card in either the blue, yellow, or green stack from the capital, and you're going to place it into your hometown, and it does not go into your hand. Once everybody is going around the table playing their cards, once somebody has no cards left in their hand, everybody is going to get to have one last turn, because everybody's going to get the same amount of turns, I believe. And then after that, any remaining cards that you have in your hands are going to get placed down into your hometown into the appropriate stacks. From here, you're going to check your limits in the discards cards. The first thing that's going to happen is those modifier cards that were placed along the top row of those capital cards are going to modify the number, the final number of the total for that uh, column of cards. So let's say you have a three and a five in green, which would total eight. If somebody put a negative three there, it would take it back down to a five. So you're going to figure out what the total of each capital value is. And then you're going to go around the table with each color and everybody's going to look at their hometown for that particular color and see who has the closest not going over to that. And then you're going to get to take the highest valued card in that capital bring it over to you face down, and that's going to be a victory point pile that you're going to start increasing. If somebody does go over the capital value for a particular deck, they are going to discard all of those cards. So you want to make sure that that does not exceed, that your, that your, that your hometown value does not exceed that capital value for that particular card. That is pretty much how the game is played at a very high level. It's going to play pretty quick. Definitely not a long game. It's a shorter game. A lot of fun, though. There's definitely a lot of strategy here because you're going to be able to see what cards people are playing into their hometowns. You're going to see who's adding to the capitals to see whether they're trying to, you know, increase the value of the capital and what they're trying to go to. I had a lot of fun playing this game. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I'd like to try it with two players. Like I said, we played it with four people. Played played really great with four people. But the 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 gold that they have in this game, the little slabs of butter, we had we were just joking around the whole time that uh, the shape and the color of them just looked rather funny. But Capital Lux, really cool card game. If you get a chance to play this one, definitely check this one out. I had a good time with it, and I definitely like to add this one to my collection. After that, we pulled out. I don't want to say an older game. It is from 2009, Hansa Teutonica. This is a very interesting game. If you have a group of people that you play with who do not care for take that actions in your game where you're going to be doing a lot of attacking each other or possibly screwing each other out of different actions, 
you probably don't want to play this game with those type of people. Uh, the group I was playing with really had a fun time playing this one. There is a lot of action going on in this game. There is a lot of bumping out of things that you possibly are trying to build up. That is pretty much what the name of this game is. You're going to have a player card in front of you, which is going to signify different resources and different actions you're going to be able to take and how many of those you're going to be able to take throughout your turn based on where you're at with the different town keys, activities, the privilege level, your book of lore, as well as your money. Each of those will let you do um, something different on the board in regards to finishing a route that you're playing on to the table. But at the beginning of your turn, you're going to have I guess you could say workers in front of you uh, that you're going to be placing onto the board. You have traders and merchants. The traders are going to be little cubes. Merchants are little discs. What you're trying to do is you're trying to fill in a route with all of your traders or merchants, all of your color. Once you do that, you can then take an action, which will then let you possibly take an action in regards to where you're at on the board or possibly place one of your cubes into one of the buildings so you can start getting payment from other players when they complete that action later on in the game. So let's kind of go over some of the different things you can do here and how some of this bumping of players on the board and where all this take that is coming into play. So on your turn, you're going to look at the actual workers you have in front of you and what you started out with. You're going to place down cubes as many as you're allowed to at um, as many actions as you're allowed to take in a particular turn. I believe you start off with around three actions that you're going to be able to do. So pretty much the first thing that people are trying to do at the beginning of the game is place down cubes into some of the areas that will let them get more workers into play very quickly. And it, it seems like from the way the game was explained to us and the way my buddy Jim taught it, and it, and it sounds very logical, some of the first actions that you're going to be doing is the ones, like I said, to get those additional workers and try to get more actions that you're going to be able to do on your turn. Those areas were filled in very quickly at the beginning of the game. But once you put down a trader or a merchant there, somebody can come by later on in the round and actually bump you off. When somebody bumps you off of a space on the board, you're going to get to replace that worker to a different area on the track that's adjacent, as well as a different another worker will be able to come into play, and you'll get to place them as well. The person who actually bumped you off is actually going to have to remove one of their workers that they are going to be able to use and move it back out of play into their supply area. If it was a trader, it will only cost them one disc that will need to be discarded into the supply area. If it was a merchant, which is the disc, the round discs, they will need to discard two of their uh, traders into the supply area. So it costs a little more to bump the discs off of a particular board. So if there is a particular area and route that you're actually trying to fill in, if you want to try to maybe secure it or maybe have somebody have it cost a little bit more to try to do a little bit of bumping there, you know, you want to try to put a merchant down there. But you definitely, you don't start off with as many merchants as you do traders. So that is where the little twist comes in. You need to figure out which area of the board you're going to try to fill in and where you want to try to secure that area maybe with that merchant if you can. So after this, one of the other actions you can do uh, besides allocating and placing resources and then doing all the displacement that we were talking about, you can move resources based on your book of lore. You can actually move discs or cubes 
around the area, two different areas on the board based on where you're at on that particular track for the Book of Lore. So if I have two traders in opposite ends of the board, if I want to move them to a different area to try to fill that in on my turn, I can actually grab those two cubes, move them next to each other to possibly be closer to filling in a route. If you actually establish a full trade route and you have all of the the squares are, you know, filled in with one of your colors between two cities. You can actually basically do what's establishing a trade route. You'll then get to do one of a couple of things. If you are going to go for the actual ability that is listed on one of the buildings there, you can then do that action as that ability and remove your cubes and discs, throw them back into your, your supply area, adjust your player board accordingly, which whatever uh, action that you do, want to take and which one you want to increase. If you want to put one of your cubes into the buildings, you will place it into the leftmost part of the building. Then when people come there and do that action later on, they will allow you and have to pay you to be able to do that. And that's a very interesting thing in that you're going to get bonuses for doing that. And people who do this very early on in the game can actually just start roll get a nice engine going and that's essentially what happened in our game a couple of people did jump ahead in doing this you can also gain some additional prestige points for the end of the game there is an area of the board where you're going to be able to place a disc and this is where i scored a majority of my points i was actually building up an area of the board where nobody else was going to and it is just straight victory points at the end of the game i was having trouble um where i was ended up at the table seating and in placement and everything. I just seem to be kind of like a turn behind everybody and being able to do things and getting bumped out. So me being able to finish a lot of things, I just kept kind of missing off by like maybe one cube or square. And it was just really tricky for me to get things done. My score towards the end of the game was extremely low. I was in last place. I was able to fill in the one part of the board that let me get end game points very nicely and I took over three of the four spots in this area of the board, which scored me a significant amount of points. And at the end of the game, I jumped from literally last place being at least five to ten points behind everybody else. And I jumped up into third place in our five-player game, which for me, I was very happy with the first game that I had played this because I believe I was one of the only ones at the table who had not actually played this game before. Everybody else had already done that, so... It's very interesting when you're going to decide the different actions that you're going to take as well as what you want to unlock on your player board in regards to the different area of areas of the board like I was talking about, like that book of lore or the keys which give you um, endgame scoring based on the buildings or the routes that you have as well. You controlled, you're going to get additional points for that. Quite a few different ways to score points in this game. It was a game that has, has a little bit going on, but it's definitely not, I would say it's not along the heavier route, medium weight game, I would say, as far as how the game went. I had a lot of fun playing this one, but like I said, if you have people at your table or people in your group who don't necessarily like to be attacked, who don't necessarily like, um, you know, having to attack other people, and they don't like a little bit of conflict in their game, if you have somebody that could get a little hot-headed or something... I would definitely think twice about playing this game because that is pretty much what the name of this game is. Luckily, everybody at our table had a great time playing. I enjoyed it. I'd actually like to see this game get to the table again. That is Hansa to Tanaka. After that, my wife and I played a little bit more of Orleans. We actually played the 
trade and intrigue, intrigue expansion, which I've talked about before on the podcast, before we had done the actual trade board in the game. This time we did the intrigue. Once again, this is there. I guess this could be the theme of the week, attacking other players. So in the intrigue board, I will preface this by saying, if you don't like being attacked or you don't like attacking your opponents, you have somebody hot-headed at the table, don't play the intrigue board. This is one you'd probably want to leave in the box because as my wife and I found out, that intrigue board is wrought with just attacking other other players and just screwing them over and just stopping them from doing actions on their turn, which we found out yesterday when we went through our playthrough. We actually recorded the playthrough. I'm going to be working on editing that and hopefully getting that up to our website here soon in the next day or so. Uh, it's going to take me a little bit to edit this one as it is a little bit longer. But it looked like the mics and everything held out on this one, unlike the last time we tried to do our flip ships recording. So we're going to get another flip ships one done. But um, Orleans looked like it actually worked out pretty good for us. And it was a great game. Even though we did a lot of attacking, my wife still won by one point. There were certain times where I jumped up to the intrigue board and I sent some of my discs up to the, up to that board. There's, there's a lot of different actions. We were having to refer to the rulebook just to make sure we were getting all of them right because this was the first time we had actually played with those. So I did refer to the rules quite a bit just to make sure we were doing all of the different actions on that intrigue board correctly. And even with some of the different round counters, the, the, the timers, the sand timers that we were flipping over, it seemed like we were actually hitting several new ones of those too from the expansion, which we were really surprised because we had played with it before and we were surprised to, it just really seemed like we were getting a lot of new ones out to the table because we sat there and we're like, okay, I don't remember this one, I don't remember this one, but they were all just very interesting. And I really like what this whole trade and intrigue expansion does. It really, I think expands on the game quite a bit the the different trade cards that you can obtain moving your your player around on the board being able to fulfill these trade contracts that you have in these cards and getting this end game scoring and i'm pretty sure that's how my wife won the game because she had actually completed one i think she was actually going to complete another one but on the final round i actually stopped her from being able to move to a different location so she couldn't actually complete that action uh, the final guild hall that she needed to build where she'd then be able to um, take that card. Or actually, I think I actually stopped her from moving and then got rid of a couple of resources that she needed to actually do that. So I think I had kind of dinged her twice there on that last turn. And she was a little upset, but when it came down to final scoring, we added everything up. And as always, our games are usually very close. There is times where one of us could jump out and take a, a very big lead, but this game was literally decided by one point and she had won it, which I was really surprised of. I had a lot of trouble in this game and I'm not too sure why. I had trouble just getting a little engine going and I don't think I was thinning out my bag as much as I needed to be at the end of the game. I just had way too many tokens in my bag. I also noticed that I wasn't able to build as many guild halls as I normally did. She had built way more guild halls than me, was collecting way more of the citizens as well. So she had jumped ahead in her scoring in regards to that. Mid-game, I noticed I really wasn't able to do a lot of those things. So I tried to fall back to one of the buildings that lets you actually take the cloth, which are the five-point resources in the game. I snagged up a bunch of those. I did have to turn in one of those when she dinged me from the intrigue board where I lost um, one of those, which actually would have made a big difference in the game had I had those five points. I possibly would have won. And that's where that whole intrigue board plays in. You need to look at how you can possibly slow your opponent down with what they're working on, with what they're doing. Just 
tried to take away a few victory points here and there, and we were doing that to each other throughout the game. I think I was the one who actually drew first blood, and once I did that, my wife said, okay, it's on, and she pretty much, we weren't doing it constantly every turn, but we were doing it enough to just keep our scores, I think, a little more in check, whereas our scores were in the 80s, where I've had scores well into the 140s, 150s before, when I'm just able to go full bore into building an engine in this game. So... Orleans, we both love this game. Trade and Intrigue adds a whole lot of cool different things into it. If you have not played with this expansion yet, try to get your hands on it. I was able to pick mine up at Origins. We really liked it, and we will definitely be playing this game a lot more in the future. All right, those are the games I played for the week. Let's talk about a few of the things that I want to play. Uh, one of the things that actually TMG, just talking about them with Orleans, just released this past week onto Kickstarter is a little game, Crusaders, that will be done. Uh, this one looks pretty cool. I, I I back this one, so I'm really interested to seeing this one comes in. Of course, got the deluxified version of the game because TMG's deluxe versions of the game are actually super cool. So I'm really interested to see how this one does and how this one plays. Some of the videos that I've seen and what I've read about it looks like it has some really nice mechanics in the game. One of the other things in listening to TMG's podcast this past week, I actually heard them mention that they are going to be bringing over Emperor's Choice. This was a game I talked about one or two episodes ago. This is from the maker of Yokohama. And if you enjoy his games, you will definitely, definitely enjoy Emperor's Choice. So they're going to be actually bringing that game over to the U.S., which I was very excited to hear that they mentioned in their podcast because after we played this first time, my buddy Eric had brought this over from a game that his wife had brought him over from Japan. So we played the Japanese version, but um, there is going to be a U.S. release. TMG is doing that. So keep an eye out for that one. That's something else that I will definitely be playing when that one's released with a U.S. copy. And then Renegade Game Studios is going to be releasing Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Card Game. It sounds like you can actually get some advanced copies of this at San Diego Comic-Con that do have some alt art or some alt art on the box or something like that. I was just reading on Board Game Geek. If you're a fan of deck builders and you like Scott Pilgrim, definitely check out this game. But for this week, I think that's going to be it for the games I played and the games I want to play now. Until next week. Send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Week. We have a guild over there, guild number 2440. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say on Facebook. Just do a search for what I'm playing now. And our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Until next week, everybody, go out there, play some games, and then don't forget to let me know what you're playing now. Until then, have a great week gaming, and I will see you later. Thanks for joining me. Bye-bye.